0: We have come as far as Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, where it says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death, the grave, and hell, Hades, delivered up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is judgment day. We probably, most of our lives have been familiar with that term. We've heard about judgment day. And uh, this is the finality. This is, this is the epitome of that. This is judgment day in a sense that it can never happen like this again, nor never will. You know, there's judgment in the earth today. God deals with, um, you know, nations. He deals with individuals, chastens, Um, When the church is raptured, the church stands before the judgment seat of Christ, which is the beam of throne, throne of rewards. Um, There are, at the end of the tribulation period, those that were martyred for Christ, they're certainly judged and rewarded. There's the Old Testament saints. And then there are those who enter into the millennium, mortal in their human form. Uh, At the end of that period, and we're not given details, but evidently there's some type of a second rapture because the believers are gathered to him when heaven and earth flee away. And this last judgment now, this picture is only the damned. It's only unbelievers. It's only unsaved. There are no saved people in this picture. This is the final judgment. Since chapter 19, when we heard the description of Armageddon, I think seven times now, John has said, And I saw. He does it here in verse 11 and in verse 12. And the seeing is oin, oh, it's, it's perceiving. It's not just looking at. And John said, And I saw, I perceived, I understood, a great white throne, and him that sat upon it from whose face the heaven and the earth fled away. He gives us no description of the individual. He mentions the face. What he is taken up with is there's a throne, and he says it's a great throne. There have been many thrones through human history, but all other thrones are gone. Now there is the great, the single great throne. All other thrones have dissolved and turned to dust and blown away. There is this throne which is the great throne. He says this throne is a white throne which speaks of holiness. It speaks of justice. It speaks of the fact that every verdict that's handed down from this throne is pure, undefiled, impartial. Um, It is a great white throne Heaven and earth have fled away, he says, remarkably. A sin-stained world and heaven, cosmos, can't stand before this throne. And a sin-ruined world needs to flee away that will make way for a new heavens and a new earth wherein there is no sin, no stain. And that really brings some interesting things before us. Whose faith? From whose face? The heaven and the earth flee away. Whose face? That's a question. Whose face? The heaven and the earth flee away. And it's going to tell us here that before this throne, all of the unsaved are gathered from every age, from the Garden of Eden onward. It's telling us that they stand, verse 12, they stand, which means they're resurrected, because dust can't stand. They stand before him. It says the sea gave up. It says death, the grave, gave up. Hell, Hades, gave up. So it's speaking about resurrection. There comes and stands before him in the physical frame that sea and the grave gave up, and in the immaterial part of man, the soul which Hades has given up, those souls and those bodies gathered back together now standing before the Lord. And it says in verse 13 that every man, the Greek is it changes to singular there. Each man, each one will give an account. But now, how many are in this crowd? Billions? We don't know. How long will it take? for each individual to stand before God millions of years the interesting thing in the picture is if heaven and earth flee away there's no more matter there's no ma- no more electromagnetic energy or there's 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 no more time There's no more energy. All the things that time depends on are gone. So if there's really eternity in this procession, it may not be in the new heavens and the new earth. There may be time there, but at the great white throne, time itself is gone. Heaven and earth flee away. And there's nothing... You know, when we read in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, you know, bara, to create something from nothing, it's ex nihilo. We don't understand that. It wasn't like there was, you know, outer space was empty. There was just black space and there were no stars or planets. And then God created the stars and the planets and filled space with those things. There wasn't space. There was nothing. You and I can't comprehend Nothing. And in this scene, everything flees but a great white throne in limitless, immeasurable space, whatever that is. It is in space the way we understand it. There is this great white throne. Time is gone, eternity is functioning. And in that, there's time to judge every single individual that stands before that throne. It's sobering. Look, understand there ain't life on other planets because the heavens are gone and the only one standing before him is sinning human beings. Whatever deception there is going on with all that, all those deceivers were bound with Lucifer in Gehenna already. The heaven and the earthly way, there was found no place for them anymore. And we look at this scene, you know, we're told in the scripture it's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment comes. And he says that, verse 12, and I saw, again, I perceived. It's very interesting what he sees in verse 12 is the dead. I saw the dead. There ain't anything else but the throne. And now he says, I saw the dead. Both small and great stand, resurrected form, before God. And it says, and the book's plural were open and another book singular was opened which is the book of life and the book of life is just open to prove to those who are being judged out of the books that their name is not in the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books plural according to their work so we have this remarkable scene now of all of these lost souls, myriads, unimaginable the number, gathered before the great white throne and it tells us they're both small and great. All of earthly distinctions have been erased. All of the way we measure things in this world, looking up and down at each other, whether it be education, social standing, intelligence, IQ, you know, were you know how are you worth billionaire or whatever? All of that's gone. All of the distinctions, all of the race, all of the, all of the prejudice, all of the, you know, the, you know the the movers and shakers in this world that we think are controlling everything. They ain't controlling nothing here, right? The small and the great. Pharaoh. Alexander the Great. I hope he was saved. I'd really like to talk to him, but if he wasn't, he's here. Caesar, Marx, Stalin, Hitler, Pol Pot, they're all here, the greatest and the most insignificant, those who no one knows, who lived and died in obscurity come and gone, small and great, you'll find it in 11, 18, 13, 16, 19, verses 5 and verse 18, all of the distinctions of earth are gone now, and we have this group, atheists are there, procrastinators are there. Unconverted religious people are there. People that sat here among us week after week and put off turning to Christ are there. They're there. There are priests there that were unconverted and pastors that got their seminary degrees and were never born again. There are nuns there that were never saved and missionaries that did humanitarian things but never gave their lives to Christ. They're there. What a pity if you've been sitting here Hearing the gospel and having opportunity to turn, and you refuse to do that and end up in this scene. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. You need to change that before you leave here today. Each one will give individual account. The books. You're in there, you know. We are the book of the wars of the Lord, the book of Jasher. The Lord keeps remarkable books. Psalm 56 talks about a book that's written in every tear we've ever shed has been recorded. Nobody in this room that has sat alone with a tear running down their face, that felt no one cares, no one notices, that tear was recorded. And it was stored, God says, in his bottle. There's the book that's written in Malachi chapter 3 of those who gather and think upon his name that he stoops down and their names are written. There's Matthew chapter 12 says this, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof on the day of judgment. Yeah, rut-row is right, you know, the, that, that there's a book, there's been recorded every idle word we've ever spoken. I am glad I am washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Because I got a load of idle words I don't want there, and no record of And you're all laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. You got your own list. You know, today, whatever happens in the world we live in, somebody's got an iPhone and they record it. Good cops, bad cops, robberies, what goes on here, what this person said. All the three letter agencies are listening to everything we do and watching everything, whether the NSA or CIA. You know, the the Department of Defense, everybody. You're you're on record. They know everything about it. They watch you through your TV. They listen on your cell phone when it's turned off. You know, they know everything. If the world we live in has surveillance, if the world we live in, you know, has security cameras, if the world we live in, if we're willing to acknowledge that, look, do yourself a favor. I don't know if it's a favor. Uh, Again, if you Google MIT, potato chip bag. This is the world we're living in. There's a whole article that says that scientists realize they can look through your window and if you're sitting in the living room watching TV and you're eating potato chips in your conversation, the potato chip bag resonates. They've written algorithms and they've broken it down so they can listen to what you're saying by watching the vibration of your potato chip bag. (laughs) You can look online and see. I'm not making it up. Now they've learned they can do it with hanging plants, too. I've had people in church involved in different things refuse to talk to me in my office. We had to come to a middle room to talk because they said they can put a laser on a window from two miles away and and it works like a diaphragm. They can listen to everything we're talking about. And I need to talk to you so let's go in the sanctuary where there ain't any outside windows. Look. If humans can do that, imagine what's being recorded in eternity. What God sees. And there's there's no hiding here. There's no appeals. There's no suspension of trial. There's no loopholes. The verdict is clear because the books are open. And nobody's got an excuse because the record is there. Because you hear people say the stupid stuff. Where'll I see the man upstairs? I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. <laughs> Ain't none of that happening. <laughs> Trust me. Trust me, that is not happening. And look, that is the most terrifying place that a human being can stand. And at the same time, it's the most avoidable. It's the most hopeless place, because hope is gone, that any human being can stand. And it's the most avoidable. Because Christ has already paid that price for us. In the books, you know, People who want a fair trial, open the books. Judgment is by fair trial. Salvation is by faith, and that's through pardon. It's through grace. The judge will be on the throne. Through history, anybody who's come to the judge and pleaded guilty and cast themselves on the mercy of the court is saved. They're written in the other book, singular. Everybody who thinks they got it going on, they're going to stand there and give an account for themselves. The, the books are open. Books open. In the book of life, you have hopeless sinners washed in the blood of Jesus, written in the book of life. You have empty religious people who ended up turning to Jesus because their religious system provided nothing who got saved you have childhood conversions you have deathbed conversions at the last breath people called out and were saved you have you know people who stumbled along through life but they were born again they're there all imperfect all of us washed in the blood of christ and in the other books small and great again Kings and rulers and presidents, everybody's there, they're gathered. No hiding place, you know, no excuses, gathered, the sea has given up, the dead in it. And, and the ancients believed, by the way, that the sea was a place that was irretrievable. Greeks, Romans terrified of the depths of the sea. And they believe if you drown, if you went to the depth of the sea, and one of the ways they would punish would be tying a, a rope to your ankle and throwing you overboard. They believed if you went there, you were unretrievable. Your physical frame, unretrievable. And the Lord says here, well, the sea, given up the dead, those who drowned, those who received a burial at sea, those who took the dust and cast it on the ocean, those who were eaten by sharks. Everybody who died in Noah's flood, the sea gives up the dead that are in it. God has no problem bringing molecules back together. All atomic structure is fungible, so he can do that with anything. He's got the software. He can produce the hardware. The grave, it says, gives up the dead that are in it. Cemetery means sleeping place. The ancient church, the Christians in the first centuries would bury everybody in a cemetery with their head facing facing east because they believed Christ was coming from the east to the west and they wanted to get up looking in the right direction. <laughs> That's when it talks about Christians through the New Testament. It says that we sleep. I don't want you to be concerned about those who sleep, so you sorrow not even as others who have no hope. We're never dead. We're sleeping because we're getting up again, right? But here, the second resurrection, the second death, blessed is he who has part in the first resurrection, verses 4 and 5. Now we come to this second resurrection, which is a resurrection unto damnation. So the sea and the grave give up the physical frame. And then the word hell here is Hades, Hades. Hades is the place that gives up the soul, Lazarus and the rich man. You can read through that on your own in Luke 16. And the soul and the body of the unbeliever seem then to be put back together again and that risen frame suited for eternal suffering, and they stand before the great white throne, the arctic Waste the deserts, the mountains, the jungles, give up the dead that are in it, all brought before the Lord here as we look at this. And the interesting thing about it, again, is it is the most avoidable situation that there is. It says, this one who's seated on the throne, that heaven and earth... Fled away from his face. Jesus said in John chapter 5. For the father judges no man. But hath committed all judgment to the son. Paul will write this to Timothy. As he signs off in his swan song. 2 Timothy 4 says. I charge thee therefore before God. And the Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall judge the quick And the dead, the living and the dead, at his appearing and in his kingdom. So no doubt, the face that's on the throne from which the heaven and the earth fled away is a face that's been spit upon. It's a face whose visage is more marred than that of any man. It's a face with the thorn holes in the brow The face that had been beaten beyond human recognition. It's a body with the wounds of scourging and holes in the hands. And it is one who sits on the throne and is just to pass sentence on everyone who refused to receive the forgiveness that he himself provided it says it's not God's will that any should perish but all should come to repentance be saved this terrible terrible scene that is brought before us here is incredible it says in verse 14 that death and hell the grave death and And Hades were cast into the lake of fire. These two insatiable monsters that have devoured generations. Proverbs 27 says, hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. Proverbs chapter 30 says, there are three things that are never satisfied, yea, four, Never say it's enough, and the first one they list is the grave. But now, the grave and hell are both cast into the lake of fire. Because in the new heavens and the new earth, there's no death. There's no hell. There's no Hades. It's eliminated. The lake of fire, Jesus said, that burns unendingly. There the worm dieth not, the fire is not Quenched. it is outer darkness it is a fire that burns dark and it is the end of the day on judgment day that everyone that refused Christ is confined to that place people have the wrong idea of hell I mean, there's just a party in hell I'm going to get down there and party with Satan. We're going to drink beer and carry on and have the babes are going to be there. You're out of your mind. That's not out of the Bible. That's from a TV commercial or a rock and roll star or something. This is hell. Gehenna, Jesus says, was created for Satan and his angels. It is a place of eternal torment. There is no throne there. There's no partying there. There's no rejoicing there. You know, four times from the lips of Jesus we hear of Hades, the place presently where the dead go. But 11 times from the mouth of Jesus we hear about Gehenna, more than anyone else in the New Testament. I believe he dreaded this day when all will flee and multitudes will be there that need not. They didn't need to be there because the very one on the throne had cried, Eloi, Eloi, lama, lama, Baxtini, you know. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? These people don't need to be cast into outer darkness because the one on the throne was already cast into outer darkness. They don't need to suffer eternally because the one who is seated on the throne has already suffered eternally in their place. It says here in verse 15, And whosoever was not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. But in chapter 22, at the end of the book, it says, The spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him that heareth say, Come. Let him that is a thirst come. Here it is, the last whosoever. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. That word freely is undeservedly. The water of life is offered, but you can't earn it. You can't be worthy of it. You can't work for it. You need to plead your guilt before a holy God who's already given his only begotten son, who died in your place, experienced eternal suffering in your place, and has already cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So you and I never have to cry that. And no doubt, this scene, as horrible as it is to us, you know, I can't imagine what it must be to the Savior who wept over Jerusalem, who wept at the tomb of Lazarus, heartbroken over mankind, because those standing before the throne are image bearers. They were created to be in fellowship with God. Hell was created for Satan and his fallen angels, not for men. People say, well, good people go to heaven. Heaven was made for good people. Hell was made for bad people. No, that's a lie. Heaven was made for all people. Heaven was made for all people. Man determines to go to hell. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you know, it tortures me to think, you know, we, I, I'll, you know, we do an invitation. We ask people if they want to be saved. We ask them to pray. But I, I mean, I was taking drugs. I was lost. The church grew so fast. I've never had time to go to Bible school or seminary. Too busy with you guys. But I think every time I do an invitation Lord how bad am I doing this how am I failing here your spirit has to do this because one individual maybe if it was clearer would have come forward instead of walking out the back doors and that's an eternity one person saved all the angels in heaven rejoice because this scene has been avoided And an eternity has been changed. An eternity. You know, Paul will say this. He says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That Jesus Christ actually became sin that we might be righteous. He took our place. The trade was made. He died in our place. Two thousand years ago on the cross, he died with our sins upon him. It says God the Father laid on him the iniquity of us all. It pleased the Father to bruise him. And somehow in those three hours of darkness, there was eternal suffering. Because when he came out of that darkness, before he died physically, he said, it is finished. He had died eternally, and then the physical death was a part of that. There's all kinds of things you can dig into here. You know, Are there degrees of suffering in hell? Well, that comes from parables. It's hard to build doctrine on parables. We know God is just. We don't have to argue about that. And however that ends up to be, you will be fine with me. But what is that hell light and, and hell, you know, you know, hundred proof? I mean, uh, if you b- get beat with less stripes, you want to take that? It's still forever. The, the length of it doesn't change. It's still in darkness where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. It's still unimaginably being in a place that was created for Satan and the fallen angels and not for human beings. Judgment day. It will come. We watch all this stuff on the news that drives us crazy, drives me crazy. I can't stand the thought of you know techies deciding what's going to happen with my health. You think you're qualified to do that. Next time you need brain surgery, get Zuckerberg to do it for you (laughs) instead of a doctor. You know, I I look at all this, it drives me out of my mind. And I have to constantly settle myself down and say, No, Lord, that's not the game. That's not the deal. You're coming. And people are still going to hell. There's still people that are going to be saved. And it doesn't matter whether they're a Democrat or Republican or Russian or Chinese or American. It doesn't matter whether they're power brokers or the insignificant person living, a street person living on a corner. God loves them all. In fact, it says that God so loved the world, the one that drives me crazy, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, that's how I got in, whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. This scene is the most hopeless scene in the Bible. This scene also is the most avoidable scene in the Bible. We simply have to plead guilty and fall before the Savior for mercy, and our destiny changes no need to be here. And the fact that the one on the throne from whose face the heaven and earth fled away has the marks of slaughter upon it makes every verdict equitable, not arbitrary, fair, just. If you don't know Christ today as your Savior, it doesn't matter if you go to church. Calvary Chapel never hung on a cross for you, and neither did I. If you don't know Jesus, the Risen One, and you can know him personally, then before you leave today, we're going to give you an opportunity as the musicians come to, to come walk down here in front of everybody. And walking down here in front of everybody, you're saying, I'm repenting, I'm turning away from my sin because I know I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. And Jesus said, if you're willing to acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father and all the angels in heaven. If you acknowledge me, I'll acknowledge you. If you know me now, I'll know you then. If you refuse to acknowledge me, I'll refuse to acknowledge you. If you refuse to know me now, I'll refuse to know you then. It is so simple, he said, we must become like children if we want to enter the kingdom. It is to simply cast your future and your destiny on the forgiver of sins instead of wanting to stand there and give an account at your own trial. So we're going to ask you as we sing the last song, if you've never come to Christ, that you get out of your seat, walk down here. If a friend came, they're going to say, come on, I'll go with you. This, this would be my privilege to walk down with you. We want to pray with you. We want to give you a Bible, some literature to read. We don't want your address or your phone number. Nothing. You have to worry about anything. We're not going to track you down. You're worried about the other books, not the one we have. As we stand and we sing this last song too, I encourage you. Each one of us in this room knows somebody that we care about that's not saved. We can't be lackadaisical We can't be ambivalent about that. I would encourage you in your own heart to bring that person in your heart before the Lord as we worship and say, Lord, show me. How can I be used by you in this? I do not want to see them stand before this throne, Lord. We can say, Lord, light a fire in me. Fill me afresh with your spirit that the love of Christ could be shed abroad from my heart by the power of your Holy Ghost. We can do that. Amen. Let's stand. Let's pray. I'll lead you in a prayer. And then as we sing the song, if you know you need to be saved today, get down here. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you're a murderer. It doesn't matter, you know, you destroyed your family. It doesn't mean, it matter if you're a drug runner. It doesn't matter if you're thinking about suicide. If you're thinking about suicide today, this is a great way to do it. <laughs> Die for Christ and you'll find life. Right? Let's bow our hearts. Let's pray. Lord, we put these things before you. And Lord, everyone in this room knows somebody, Lord. I do, Lord, and I can bring a face before you right now, Lord. Someone I don't want and we don't want to see stand in this scene, Lord. Would you, Lord, use such as us, Lord, the foolish things of the world. And, Lord, we do pray for everyone here that's never come to you. They've had religion, they've had education, they have a thousand things, but they're lost. They'll be at the wrong place on Judgment Day. Lord, would you today in your love draw them, you add to the church daily, such as should be saved, Lord, not us. So we trust you, Lord, in your love and in your power, Lord to take hold of the hearts of the ones you love so deeply here that you hung on the cross for, whose sins you've already carried. Lord, draw them into your arms today, Lord Jesus. We pray in your name, amen.